This is an ABC podcast. Hello, this is Coronacast, a daily podcast all about the coronavirus. I'm health reporter Tegan Taylor. And I'm physician and journalist Dr Norman Swan. It's Monday the 24th of May 2021. And Norman, there's been lots of questions swirling about this so-called Indian variant that, well, there's a couple of them that we're seeing around the world, especially seem to be taking over in the UK. And there's question marks about whether they're more severe diseases associated with this variant. We think it is spreading faster. And there's also questions about whether the vaccines that we currently have are effective against them. But luckily for us, there is some evidence that's starting to emerge about this. Yeah, and it's mostly coming from the UK. So we're talking about the 617 variant here, which is the one that emerged in Maharashtra state late 2020. And it's now spread to quite a few countries around the world. And you might have noticed, and we've talked about it a few times in Coronacast, the lockdown in Singapore about a week ago last weekend, uh, due to an out- several outbreaks in the city on the island, uh, particularly one in Shangi Airport, which was of concern. Now, what we don't know about the 617 is whether it's more virulent. In other words, whether it's a nastier form of the virus, more likely to cause serious illness and death. So we don't quite know that yet. There are suspicions in India that that might be the case, but it's really hard to tell. The uh, British data have come out over the weekend on 617. And what this shows is that the 617 is spreading through England. And in certain parts of England, it's muscling out the 117, the so-called Kent variant that emerged last year. And that was already significantly more contagious than the Wuhan version of the virus, the ancestral virus. Does that mean it's even more contagious then, more um, transmissible? Yeah, that's the conclusion they're coming to. And I think we quoted figures last week saying maybe 40% more transmissible than the 117 version of the virus. But there does seem to be good news, though, about the vaccine side of things. As much as they're able, they've looked at the comparative efficacy of the Pfizer vaccine and the Astra vaccine in the face of this 617 variant. Because you might remember what we said last week about the Singaporean outbreak is that several of the people at Shanghai Airport who got infected had already had the Pfizer vaccine. And one of the things that needs to be said here is that these vaccines aren't perfect. And as more and more of the population get immunised, more and more people who get infected with COVID-19 are actually going to have been immunised uh, simply because there's a... Just because of the numbers. Just because yeah. of the numbers and there's there are breakthrough infections because 25, 30 or 40% of people are not necessarily covered. So a couple of things to do with the vaccines in the 617. One is that in the UK, they've shortened the time between doses. So it's eight weeks between doses. Of Astra. Of Astra for the over 50s. And this is assuming that this, 611, this 617 is going to be spreading very quickly and they want to get two doses in. And the basis on which they want to get two doses in is the latest data from Public Health England. Now, we've been talking a lot in the past about how good the protection is after the first dose to previous variants of the virus. But in fact, the 617 variant, you get quite a dramatic reduction of efficacy to the first dose, but very little reduction in efficacy with the second dose. So you really do need to get the second dose. You need to get the second dose fairly quickly to give you pretty good protection against the 617. So it's, I think, a I think reporters maybe around about 7 or 8% reduction in efficacy overall between the two vaccines 
with the 617 after the second dose, but it's really quite dramatic after the, quite a dramatic reduction after the first dose. So we need two doses and need them pretty quickly. So does that make it even more imperative for Australians to be vaccinated now when we have the luxury of allowing for that 12-week interval between doses? Because we know, well, I'm assuming that it's the same for 617, that you have the best efficacy with that 12-week interval. Are you saying that in the UK they're shortening it because they just want to get people vaccinated quicker, not necessarily because that interval is better? No, the interview is not necessarily better. Uh, you have to go back to the original Astra trial, the AstraZeneca trial, which showed that, that you seem to get the best results at 12 weeks. But I don't think there's that much difference between eight weeks and 12 weeks in terms of the effectiveness of the vaccine. So I think that they just thought they would go in on the inside of that to be sure that you're getting two doses of the vaccine. And then just finally, on this, the two latest incursions into Australia, we haven't had one for a while, which is fantastic, uh, were the 617 virus. So 617.1 in Melbourne and 0.2 in Sydney. So those are, this is increasingly dominantly the virus is going to be coming into Australia. So it does mean we do need to get covered. But it is good to know that the vaccines that we've got are, do seem to cover against this variant. Yeah. So just on the Astra vaccine, Norman, we've had a, a comment from Andrew. And of course, you, dear audience, can ask a question or leave a comment anytime at abc.net.au slash coronacast. Andrew is under 50, but he wanted to be vaccinated, went to the Carlton Exhibition buildings on Friday, had a COVID vaccine. Uh, he was he felt terrific. He had the AstraZeneca shot. He really hopes that they open up to more young people soon, as I know that there are a lot of people who want to come forward and do what he did. Yeah, let's, uh, let's hope that's the case. And we hear anecdotally there's a bit of variation around the place as to whether if you turn up and you're under 50, you will get it. And some questions, Norman. This one's from Joe. Joe's parents live in the UK. They they had their second son in August 2020 during the lockdown, really missing their parents. Um, both of Joe's parents have been fully vaccinated with Pfizer in the UK and want to be able to come and meet their grandson. Joe's asking, why can't Australia allow fully vaccinated people to visit? Surely the risk is manageable and some kind of home quarantine rules could be introduced. And Joe finishes by saying, I feel our envious position is quickly becoming unenviable. I feel completely trapped. Absolutely. I completely agree with Joe that uh, fully vaccinated people should be allowed to come back. I think there should be mask wearing on the plane and those sorts of um, precautions. I still think there should be testing before you get on the plane because it is possible that you're positive. But if you're negative before you get on the plane and you arrive back here fully vaccinated, the chances that you are infected are quite low. And we should be able to adapt some kind of home quarantine to this you know, and risk manage that as, as time goes on. Probably start with low numbers, make sure that people are following the rules and find a way of, of, of actually managing that, perhaps with police follow-up, maybe even with tracking devices. There, there are ways of doing this, but we could open up more than we have. There are so many families that are split across the world and it feels like we should get to a stage where there's some kind of incentive for being vaccinated. And this could be one of them. And then a question from Ken about the effectiveness of AstraZeneca against the South African strain. We heard, I think it was late last year, that there was about a 0 to 10% effectiveness against this strain. But the data in that study were very, it was very early data and it was hard to really make sense of it. Do we have updated figures on that? It was a sample of uh, 2,000. Um, I don't think there are better, much better data now than there was then. We haven't heard much about the South African strain. I think that the Indian strain is going to probably muscle it out a little bit around the world because it's more contagious. 
And that, so it may be a thing of the past. And as we've said, it looks as though Astra is pretty good against the Indian strain. It's really moving so quickly that um, what, what was true last year is not necessarily true right now and may not be true at the end of the year. You say it's moving so quickly, you mean the Indian variant or just the, the pandemic in general? The fact that we've had such an outbreak in India with the spin-off of these variants, uh, variants of the 617, and those spreading around the world, they're just uh, looking as though they're going to swamp the other variants that are around. And thankfully, this one, while it's a bit vaccine resistant, doesn't seem to be as vaccine resistant as the South African strain. It is so interesting. We were told early in the pandemic by virologists that coronaviruses don't actually mutate that much compared to other viruses like influenza. But of course, the scale of the pandemic has meant that we've seen these mutations come up because it's just had so many opportunities to multiply. Now that we've got vaccines coming in around the world, do you think we'll see a, a decline in the number of these new variants that are popping up? Only when low-income countries have been immunised and you've got fewer mutants being thrown off. That's the situation we've got to get to. As long as you've got significant numbers of cases in low-income countries, you've got the risk of variants. So until that happens, we're always at risk. Well, that's all we've got time for today, but we'll see you tomorrow. Yep, see you then. 